Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Servant Leadership Institute podcast. My name is Olivia Pence, and I am here with two of my absolutely wonderful teammates, Lisa Keith and Carol Malinsky. Good morning, ladies. Good morning. Good morning. How are you today? Fantastic. Great. We're, we're all in different locations. Well, not, actually, not all of us are in different locations, but I'm over here in one part of town, and the ladies are in another part of town. We are. We are still over at the Vista offices, which has been kind of nice. But we are here to talk about generational leadership development. We've noticed that there are a lot of different generations in the workplace right now, coming and going. And being able to navigate and working with each other can be a challenge, but it can also be really rewarding as a team. So why don't we just go over a couple of generalizations and characteristics of each generation? I know I am a millennial and one of our biggest prominent characteristics is that we are very tech savvy. Everything that we do, we lead back to online, how we can do it with a social media presence. Everything is based online, which is a very new still priority for us as the younger generation. But we also crave and look for knowledge and feedback constantly. We're always trying to grow and improve and everything is a learning experience. Lisa, you are a Gen X. I am, yes. So we were really just the first group that got to start using technology. In fact, I remember way back when being in the fourth grade and being the second person in my hometown that got to use a personal computer. And the only place she could do that was at the local library. So I, thankfully my parents were um, pushing us to go ahead and try and figure out all this new technology and how it would apply to our everyday lives. So yeah, I grew up with being one of the first groups that had computers in school and had to integrate that in the way we did learning and with our classes. But we're also from a generation Gen X's that we tend to be really independent. We also have a lot of entrepreneurs in our age range. We're very hard workers. Much We grew up with the work, work hard, play hard mentality, making sure that you have a pretty good work-life balance. What's amazing to me is we're now at a point in our work life or our career where we now are approaching five generations in the workplace. And this is the first time it's happened. And a lot of that has to do with just the difference, different things that happen with the economy and, and people needing to work and be in the workplace longer. So I find it fascinating now that, you know, it used to be such a big deal to, to work with three different generations. Then we kind of, you know, expanded to four, but now we've got Five, and that's a huge age range of people. And then we have Miss Carol, <laughs> who is uh, in our community. And then we have the baby boomers. The baby boomers, yes. I proudly represent. And, you know, this subject that we're going to be talking about today, guys, is one that um, has fascinated me for quite some time because as I would be out and about either through SLI or other positions that I've had interfacing with people, I would notice this almost like an animosity toward the younger generations that were in the workplace. You know, it's very tiring to listen to people yes. 
complain about this over and over and over again. And we'll talk about that a little bit later in our discussion as well, but that's what first really intrigued me about the subject matter was the fact of, you know, why are we, I don't, I don't get why people are so incensed, you know, by other, these other generations. Baby boomers, again, all the generations, very hard workers. I think our styles may be different, but we're all, um, we all have in common that we're hard, we work very hard. The boomers, of course, were raised in such a way that you went to work for a company and hopefully, you know, your hope was that you would work for them for 20, 30 years. That's certainly what we saw our parents do. And this was as they're coming home from World War II, right? The greatest thing is to have a job where you're going to have longevity and that security for years and years and years and years. But it also made, makes us, I think, have a tendency to feel insecure sometimes as we grow older um, and we see these young people around us. And I guess the thing that cracks me up the most is as we complain about a younger generation, we raised the younger generation. I, I always find that very, very curious. I guess probably our biggest challenge or one of our biggest challenges is, to, is with technology because we weren't raised with it. And, you know, sometimes I, I look at you, Olivia, or my own son, and I'll say, well, were you born with the thing in your hand? I don't get it. You know, <laughs> it's, it's so easy. And when I have a problem and I hand you my device and you fix it in like one second, how in the world, you know, does that happen? We were and born with manuals in our head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's probably the thing that, you know, I think sets us apart is, and for some of us, unfortunately, there is a fear to dealing with the technology that's really unfounded, um, but you got to get used to it and you have to work with folks that um, will have enough patience with you as you develop those skills. Yeah, you know, one of my favorite uh, baby boomers is our uh, friend, Vicki Clark. And that woman is a genius when it comes to social media and using current technology. And I, I got to sit and visit with her at a conference. And I got so tickled because here she is, the oldest person at the table, and she's teaching everyone else at the table that were quite a bit younger than her of how to use the hashtags and, and how to <laughs> post to several of the different things. And, oh, you're not on this platform. You need to get on this platform. And, and I completely blew away the rest of the table. So um, she definitely proved that uh, technology is, is there for at, at any age and it show, shows no age limits. So yeah, and I think I think the other thing that we fall victim to is, you know, being the keeper of the information and not wanting to give it up. Mm -hmm. And that can really be, that's something that a, a company really needs to be aware of. Do you have that situation going on in your company? Because it's not helpful for anybody to have that going on. And you know, it's a difficult position because you're, as the boomer, you may be frightened of giving up the information because you think you're going to lose your job. But yet, in order for the company to be healthy and continue on a positive path, you can't hold that information within yourself. 
you've got to let other people in on whatever it is you know, you know, so that things can work smoothly. So that's, that's really something that a company I think has to be really keenly aware of. Do they have information sharing going on? Absolutely. So we've started to go into this already, but what challenges have we found working between the different generations? For me, it's been interesting trying to understand and grow accustomed to the different ways that people will interpret company culture and morale throughout your company. I know at Daytron, we have some wonderful events that we'll host every once in a while. For Halloween, we always have a costume competition and every month we'll have a monthly celebration where we'll get together and we'll talk about the successes of the company that month or birthdays, stuff like that. And it's interesting seeing the different energies that people will bring to those events because you'll see some people that are very, very engaged and want to be there and think it's a great aspect of their company's culture but then there's some people that say oh this isn't worth it why are we taking time out of work to be doing this let's not waste our time so it's interesting coming into that environment and blending them all together and are you are you noticing that it's between um different ages are you noticing and which and how would you determine which ages have that mentality? I've definitely seen a lot more of the younger crowds being more engaged with those events, more willing to participate. If you think about it, the the older you are um, and the longer you've been working, having company parties were usually a holiday event. You know, and it wasn't until I believe I was in my probably 30s where we started expanding what it meant to be, you know, create a company culture and to have an engagement activities. You know, employee engagement didn't become a, a coined term until the 90s. And, and I think even that was the late 90s. So traditionally you would have your corporate Christmas party and or holiday party. And that was about it. Mm-hmm. Um, having even having potlucks and things like that weren't as familiar. And I, I know uh, with quite a few companies that I worked with early on in my career, um, you know, it was come in, do your job, you know, be polite and pleasant while you're there, but then move on. And uh, most of your activities were saved for happy hour and things outside of work. Yeah. And, you know, I, I used to notice companies names shall remain nameless, but they would have the big event once a year. And this was the opportunity for upper management uh, spouses to bring out their furs, their fur coats, their diamond necklaces, there was a very, very definitely uh, class distinctions within those groups that I just don't think uh, exist to that extent anymore. At least I, I hope they don't. But yeah, I think I think with our old some of our older generations, there's very there's very definitely more of a enough of this silliness. You know, let me go do my job. And with our younger generations, with millennials and our uh, Gen Zs, social media is so ingrained in just their everyday life that, you know, just the idea of socializing with your coworkers Mm -hmm. is is normal. Right. 
finding out more of the human side of people, I think actually in, in helps build the team. And I think that's one of the aspects that it's been nice seeing that added into the workplace and being part of the company culture. I think that's one of the areas where millennials and Gen Z's are helping improve company culture by tearing down some of those barriers. Yeah, definitely. The, the other thing that I know that I've felt not through my career with Daytron or SLI, certainly, but with another company I worked for, same younger young lady, same position as myself. And I would hear her on the phone complaining because she hadn't been promoted yet and she graduated from Notre Dame. Therefore, <laughs> since she graduated from Notre Dame, she should have a better job. And coming from a place where I was, where I had recently moved from Silicon Valley, left a great job, came down here, took me six months to find a job. This was like late 90s. And I took an, you know, a huge pay cut. And I'm listening to this younger person talk about how she should make more money because she graduated from Notre Dame. I wanted so much to drop something over the cubicle, but <laughs> but I couldn't think of what, you know, <laughs> I'm a nonviolent person, so that didn't work. But it's that, that reinforces that entitlement aspect where, you know, if you don't know that that's not the norm, mm -hmm. it can definitely, you know, cause not a good reaction or make it harder for you to work with an individual. What have y'all noticed about different ways to communicate within the generations? Have you noticed your approach being different depending on who you're speaking with? I think for me personally, and just, and just who I am, there may be, may be more of a mentor-ish approach if I'm working with someone who's younger or someone who I know has been in that position, maybe not for very long, or, you know, every company has not only its own culture, it has its own language. And when you come in new to a situation, you may hear others talk using this, this kind of language. At Daytron, you have all this language associated with getting your contracts and getting, you know, orders processed through that may be different than another company. So for a millennial coming in, you don't want to assume things. I'd tr I try to take a more mentorish approach with people. And, you know, usually that will work itself out. If it's overkill, that'll come up somehow as I continue working with that person and see, you know, what they're capable of. But the hard thing is, you know, I don't want it to seem condescending in any way because it's not meant to be that way. But I would think those are the main things that, you know, that I try to be careful about. Of course, we are talking in generalizations here. We're not talking about anything really specific. And of course, there will always be exceptions to all stereotypes. But there is stereotyping that comes along with the different generations. And I think a lot of that does come from the younger generations because we are full of sarcasm and we lead with that sense of kind of dry humor a lot. 
and it can lead towards stereotyping. And there's that saying that people started using saying, okay, boomer. I actually was very offended by that. It felt very disingenuine Mm -hmm. and that you weren't really listening and connecting with that person that you're working with. You're just shutting yourself off from becoming a team with that person Mm -hmm. and not growing from those differentiations that you have between the generations. Well, specifically what I like about working with the different generations is really discovering that I think the biggest aha for me was that um, wisdom comes from all age groups. And I think of one coworker I had in particular that um, was a young mom, but we had kids that our children were the same age. And I would be floored at some of the parenting advice that I would get from her. And she was a good 15, 16 years younger than me. But I always found her to be wise beyond her age. And so I was really pleasantly surprised at how, um, how much good advice I could get from someone who was significantly younger than me, and, but yet not, had, not have as many years on me. And then that's the other side uh, of the coin is also taking time to appreciate with people that I work with that um, there really is experience from from age and from from how long you've been on the planet. I use that a lot with my son, by the way, when, especially when he's 13 and thinks he knows everything. And I have to keep reminding him that I have a lot more years on this earth than he does and a lot more experiences. And I think if I even think back to earlier um, when I started working, I'm one of those people that I, I started working the day I turned 15 when I was legally able to, to mm-hmm. work. I've just always enjoyed you know, working. And understanding that, that it's basic math, that uh, you should learn from the experiences of people that are older than you. And that with those experiences comes a lot of understanding of mistakes to hopefully avoid or um, successes to try to aspire to. And once I found that I needed to take assessments with everyone that work I work with that really pay attention to what benefits they bring to the table and appreciate their uniquenesses and differences. It made working with a lot of different age ranges a lot easier. Uh, and I even look back to the very first job I ever had. I was definitely the youngest. I was 15. And the average age of people that I worked with were well into their 40s and 50s. Mm-hmm. Even back then, I, I noted, I remember, you know, consciously having noted just the way that different people would act, whether, you know, our older people were very, uh, would adhere to their, you know, eight to five Monday through Friday schedule. And that was it. You know, you punch in, you punch out and you move on where some of our younger employees were a lot more flexible with, with their work schedule. So really just, I think overall taking, taking the opportunity to not necessarily pigeonhole people, but really look at what each person, each, each person brings to the table, what value they add to it. And I think once you start eliminating, characterizing people by their age, you actually bring a lot more of a harmonious team environment with the people you work with breaks down a lot of barriers and apprehensions, I think. That's starting to look at the whole person, right? And take advantage of the fact that different people have different skills and different gifts, no matter what, you know, age they may be. And we can take advantage of of all of that. 
it seems to me that there is a frustration or a, uh, I don't, I wouldn't call it a fear, but, and this is so funny because it's like work and, and, and parenting so close, right? I attended a conference at one point where there was an expert talking on, you know, the multi-generational workplace. And she opened it up for questions. And there were a ton, of course, she spent a lot of time on millennials. And um, if I had been a millennial, I would have walked out of the room, quite frankly, because everybody thinks it's so funny when you make up these, you know, these characteristics. You know, know, my son has moved back into my garage and I don't know when he's going to leave. But... (laughs) they had this line of people waiting to ask this gal questions because, and they were questions about these people's own children. So they weren't about professionally, how do I deal with this issue that I'm having with this person? It was more like, what do I do? Because my child and I have an issue. You know, as I started thinking about this, I thought, people, come on, (laughs) you know, these are, these are your kids. And you've got to work through it. Well, and I think that's part of the challenge there is that with, as each generation has come up, parenting styles have differed. And there is a little bit of a correlation with how the breakdown of hierarchy has changed within the workplace. It also transitions into the family. Mm -hmm. Um, I I look at, I remember specifically with a gentleman who came to work for us, a little boy that came to work for us is what I thought at the time, because he was just fresh out of college, Uh, but he came to work for us. And I remember um, he had a meeting with our CEO and the CEO wanted to do a special project with him. And I went up to uh, the guy afterwards, I said, Hey, you know, that's great that you're getting to work right with the CEO. And he, he sees um, a value and what you're contributing. And the reaction I got was, well, yeah, like, why wouldn't he? And I'm from, you know, growing up on, you've got to work your way up the ladder before you can really have those meetings one-on-one and be invited to the table to have right. the collaborative sessions. And here this kid was right out of college going straight into the big leagues was the way I perceived it. Mm-hmm. But because of um, that change in attitude, I think you've seen over the years where it's not an apprehension to be working with on up the chain that because we've changed how much we need technology and uh, different uh, strengths specifically in the computing and those kind of things that you are getting from some of the newer, newer degrees out of college that we didn't have. They just didn't exist because of the way technology has changed. And so that changes the playing field for where those people now fit into the hierarchy and how they have to interact with people. And so I think it's actually um, relaxed that interaction or of, of uh, how people work with each other. And so then I think you can translate that over into home life where now parents are the kids' friends. You know, one of the things that drives me nuts more than anything is when a parent 
of a young child says, oh, but we're best friends. Yeah. Well, that's not necessarily a good thing. No. You know, you're supposed to be able to discipline and draw the line and those kind of things. And I struggle with it in my own life with, with my own child of, of drawing that hard line. So when someone, you know, going to a conference and, and they start talking about all their kids makes you wonder how, how much of that relates to their work interactions and, and who they surround themselves with. I definitely agree with what you said about things becoming more relaxed. And I, I've noticed personally, one thing I've loved about working with all of the different characters and characteristics of people is I've never been afraid to bring an idea or bring my opinion to the conversation. Because I know that even though I might have something to contribute, I can always learn from someone else. Mm -hmm. And I always absorb knowledge from my peers. So being able to walk into a team meeting and not be afraid to say, I've thought of a new product and then be able to work with each other on bringing that idea to fruition or changing it to become something that it would be more beneficial. Yeah, millennials are definitely, I think, much more fearless than Gen X's ever have been as far as that goes. Yeah. It's and more open to what Olivia referenced as far as you know, oh, you know, this isn't, this isn't a good direction to go. Okay. Well, what if we changed it and, and you not taking offense at that, Mm -hmm. you know, is really, um, to me, a sign of real maturity and, um, and the millennials and younger that can do that are really in a good, good spot. Do you see this fascination between the different generations continuing or do you see it fading away throughout the different workforces? We have so many different generations. Is it something that you still see being prominent today? Frankly, I think it's going to be overshadowed by a lot of issues that are probably more, I don't know if important is the right word to say. Um, I don't think we're going to look so much at at age, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And I also believe that from an economic standpoint, you know, as you ladies know, I'm over the age of re- normal age of retirement. There's going to be more and more and more people who continue to work because Financially, they can't make it otherwise. And so that's going to have its own own set of issues with it. And on the flip side, I wonder <laughs> what's going to happen with our uh, up-and-coming workforce as minimum wage is going up, less access of jobs to high school age uh, people, uh, being able to get early onset of job training skills. Now you're going to be getting them later. It's a lot more competitive when you um, now have the society is pushing for a working um, wage, livable wage. That seems like it's going to be quickly eliminating opportunities for young people to get employed early on. So now that moves that scale up. So I'm concerned that we're going to have some challenges just with training 
and development for the workforce as they're coming in because a lot of people now aren't able to get employed until they're in their 20s. When I grew up, I mean, I already had a good seven years under my belt before I ever graduated college of work. And now it's, I, I know with um, some of my friends who have teenage kids, it's very difficult for them to get a job with, you know, having those same experiences that I had way back when. So I'm curious to see how that's going to. Yeah. What I'm hearing you say is almost a different uh, facet to this generational problem, right? Maybe more economically tied. I don't see as much pigeonholing, I guess, hopefully. I think I'm looking at more from an HR standpoint of how do you ready your workforce, mm -hmm. be able to adapt into a changing environment. But you're also coming out with, you know, all these at the younger, even last night, my son's at the table. Um, I have a son that's 13 and a stepson who's 24. And he he made some comment and used some some word that we none of us at the table were familiar with, including my 24-year-old stepson. Mm -hmm. And he looked at at my at my little guy and he said, Oh, you're just too old. And this is he's saying this to a 24-year-old. He's already too <laughs> old. But he is so good with technology. I mean, can move at lightning speed even compared to my coworker here, Olivia, who we think is just unbelievably fast with what she can do. My son can run circles around her. So it's going to be really interesting to see how is technology keeps moving as fast as it as it is of how that's going to impact our older workforce and will they yeah. be able to keep, keep up. Yeah. So bottom line is I think training still becomes very important no matter where you are um, in your career, but the needs will be different. I think mm -hmm. we potentially need to train our older workforce in being more tech savvy, but our younger workforce in more people skills. So it's going to be, I think, a little bit of a, of a, um, a dichotomy between uh, what you're going to need as far as the training, training aspects go. Actually, that reminds me of, I grew up with this mantra that, and I'm sure you guys have heard it, but you have to have experience to be able to get the job, but you need a job to be able to get the experience. It kind of reminded me of that when you were talking about that, because millennials, we find a way to get that information. We're always, we're so gung-ho and goal-oriented that we just, whatever we need, we can do it ourselves. One of the things I find very fascinating with the millennial group in particular is their need to find a company with purpose. And this is where I think the millennials in particular help ground companies where for so many years, companies have had their values or the mission and purpose, you know, stuck in a book, stuck on the wall. You may learn about it in orientation, but actually living it and following right. it isn't necessarily a common practice. But as we've had um, this younger workforce come in and they're really looking for not just, it's not just a job to them. They truly want to make a difference. And I, I love that about that group. Um, when you're spending more of your waking hours, which most people do, working, you want to be able to make a difference. I mean, really deep down, I think everyone does, but 
I love the fact that um, these younger generations that come in are specifically looking for how does this company impact um, the world around me? What's the greater good that this company offers? And companies that don't do that, who don't identify what their purpose is and how they do impact, I think they're going to be left behind. You know, we worked with um, a technology company not too far from us that was having a challenge with getting new younger engineers into their business. And the biggest stumbling block they had is culture. And they were losing these young, brilliant engineers to the company down the road because they were considered the sexy, cool company because they had a vision, they had a, um, a purpose, they had a great interaction with different charities and, and local events. And this other company was one of these that had been around for, you know, a hundred years and just had never evolved from a cult corporate culture standpoint. So I really, really like that that's help, almost help holding companies accountable for how they impact their local communities. Yeah. And I think we're going to see more and more of that because I, I think there's a tendency now toward definition of the company is changing. And, and it's almost like, interestingly enough, it has occurred to me that it's almost like the old time company where, you know, many, many years ago, like 1900s, after they got, you know, started taking better care of people, <laughs> the company really was like, they were who took care of you, right? And I'm starting to see more of that kind of philosophy. How do we make the community better? How do we help our employees? How do we get them you know, how do we help them deal with some of the issues they have, maybe at health issues, addiction, you name it. I think we're going to see more companies getting involved in those kinds of things rather of than... Of course, social media has had such an impact too, because it's not only about your personal social media pages. Companies now are focusing on how do we put ourselves out there to the community? How do we set up our own profile and, and what is it we want to share with, with the world? Yeah. And that's opened up, you know, interesting, interestingly enough, that opens up whole new jobs, new, new yeah. areas that our, our younger techies can go into. I love the fact that those generations will find out the information and it, it really cracks me up because, you know, I would take it and go, okay, well, let me go find a book on that specific topic. Whereas they're accessing the whole, you know, worldwide web. And before you know it, they've got, <laughs> they've got a whole, you know, plan on how to accomplish whatever it is they need. So it's, you know, it's been actually a big benefit to me because I've kind of picked that up into my personal life of, you know, different hobbies that hang, oh, you want to learn how to knit? Okay, go to the internet, mm -hmm. you know, rather than, well, let me go down and take a class and, you know, for $30 a week or whatever it might be, yeah. you know, when this, they have opened up that world for me. And I, you know, that's really a, a cool thing. Yeah, the speed of learning has changed. It's lightning fast now compared to how it used to be. Yeah. 
So why is understanding this multi-generational workforce so important for leaders, especially right now? We've got a lot of different personalities as it is that you've got to um, keep engaged, but it's, it's a juggling act. And because each generation has a little bit of a different need and a different perception on life and where they are in their lives, if you're not aware of that, you're going to run into some issues with turnover, losing some of the knowledge that you have in the organization. Uh, the one that I think we tend to struggle with more than anything is as our older generations are nearing retirement is passing on that knowledge because there is that perceived threat of this younger person can come in and run circles around me. Therefore I have to protect my territory and not share what I know. Everyone should always have a hit by the bus strategy, no matter how old you are. Because if you can't fill that gap, you run into some serious issues with maintaining your organization. So that being said, I think in particular with folks that are going to be retiring, like some of my favorite coworkers or my favorite coworker, Miss Carol, <laughs> um, as she's nearing retirement age, have we downloaded everything in that beautiful, wonderful brain of hers? So that when we will no longer see her on a daily basis, can we quickly refer to, okay, well, what did Carol teach us? You know, what, what did we learn? You know, where, where's all that information that, um, you know, she shared with us way back when, oh, do you remember when Carol did, but uh, making sure that we, we train the next group and, and making sure that all this time and money that we have invested in our people, it doesn't just go out the door. I mean, right. there, there is, there's so much to be said for just creating a legacy with the people that you work with um, that can be so beneficial to, you know, generations to come as they come through the workforce. And it's got to be an intentional kind of thing. Um, you can't just think that it's going to happen somehow. Right. And there's also a very fine line between having the younger person who you think, as the leader, you may think, well, they're really fast and really sharp, and so I'm going to give them this work. There's a real thin line between that and making people feel like they've been put on the shelf. And that's one thing that, you know, has, has never really, I've never really had to deal with but that's due to the relationships that I have, that it didn't turn that way. But I could see it happening really easily. And then you've got a whole nother set of problems because you've got a, a group of folks that feel disenfranchised because they are older. Yeah, and you have a tendency too to say, oh, well, you know, so-and-so has been here 30 years, so they'll just let them do what they want to. I mean, I've been in several businesses where that was the attitude. Yeah. yeah. One, one coworker I had uh, way back when had been working in a department store that I a department that I managed for I believe she had been there 30 years, and she was had no plans on her own of retiring anytime soon. She oh, was it help you. she killed over basically, 
but she got away with so much because no one wanted to address the issues, the interpersonal issues that she had with coworkers. She was very territorial. Anytime we brought a new employee in, she staked her claim and we were commission-based, which also that's a whole nother challenge to it. But at the same time, it wasn't, it really was not fair as far as when you want to treat everyone equally um, with the same amount of dignity and respect, this lady got away with a lot. So then there would create animosity. Mm-hmm. And rather than setting a tone where people could learn from her, how did you become so successful? How come you do have the highest uh, commission rate out of anyone else in the department? It became very, an very adversarial relationship. Mm-hmm. And we had to do a lot to try and break down some of those walls. But, you know, she did feel like half the time people would just put her put her up on the shelf. You know, she's been there, done that, leave her alone, because she'll she'll eventually be out of here. And that's that's yeah. not that's not you could tell in some ways on the one hand she she liked it in a lot of ways, but the other hand too, she did feel quite neglected and left out. Yeah really a tough, tough, can be a very tough situation for everybody, you know, not just the older person. But um, I agree with you. It's, I have always said no one is irreplaceable. And I still believe that to be absolutely true. You know, the output may not be exactly the same, but that doesn't mean that it's not of equal value. So, you know, It's just people need to come to terms, you know, in their heads and in their hearts that this is taking place and that things are going to be different. Mm -hmm. I have to be, I have to be willing to look and see that, that you or Olivia took a different uh, spin on something than maybe I would, but that doesn't mean it's not just as valuable. It's important at this point for me to step back so that other people can step forward. Hmm. Well said, Carol. I love that. (laughs) I remember early on in my career being Olivia's age and and going to work for a company where I would be very envious at some of the people with children in particular that would, you know, come in late or have to leave during the middle of the day to go you know, attend to their child's recital, but then they'd be back for a couple hours and then they'd leave at four because they had to go pick up a baseball uh, practice. And here I was having to work my tail off and overtime hours, those kind of things until it finally dawned on me. I was sitting with a coworker who was giving up his holidays to make sure he was working the day after Christmas And he made the comment about, I don't have kids, but one day I will. And I'm hoping that the next person after me coming right out of college will be willing to do, take that time too. So I'll be able to spend time with my kids. And that really resonated with me like, oh, I'm actually looking at this completely different. I'm I'm looking at it as being jealous, but you know, I'm going to be working for a long time. I hope to eventually, you know, be married with kids. And you know what? I would want someone to do that for me. We've got to look at it as a team. Mm-hmm. Some members of your team, they're going to have more flexibility than others just based on their stages of life. 
And I, I, I think ultimately, if we could get to the point where we can look at each other as the value they bring to the team and ignore the labeling that unfortunately we tend to do in, in so many aspects of society, that we would have such a much more productive, happy workforce and team environment that people would really enjoy coming to work and being part of a community and really thinking of work as a community rather than a workforce. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If we can get that family thing into our companies, absolutely so much better off, you know, minus the sibling rivalry. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Well, before we go, do we have any last advice we'd like to give on working with each of the generations? One of the biggest things that I strive to consciously challenge myself to do is to always utilize everyone's skills and making sure that I am being an advocate for people to be their best. And that includes myself. So I'm always challenging not only myself, but the people around me to step out of our comfort zones and do something that we normally wouldn't do. Taking a company that hasn't done social media, that doesn't have that online presence, bringing them into that new world, making sure that we are stepping up and growing in the ways that we should. You know, millennials, we, we're, we're the tech-savvy people. So let those people that are good at those things do those things. One of the biggest pieces of advice that I can give is making sure that you're utilizing your strengths. And not only your strengths, but your team strengths as well. That's one of the biggest things that I work on personally. What about you, Carol? I, you know, I love my experiences with other generations at, you know, at our company, Daytron, and also at SLI have been very positive. And I think that is because there is a culture there that is more family oriented. And as you guys know, I've been through some things in the last few years. So we've had the opportunity really to see the power of co-workers coming around someone else who, is, who needs it at that time. That's been, you know, a very, very great gift. And I think, you know, all of this business over how we're different, we need to kind of get rid of and and let's look at let's look at the positive things like yeah we know so and so is tech savvy fine let them do this particular thing and shine and each of those generations certainly has something to offer but i think we need to be less less tied into structures and and more tied into how can everybody be successful and everybody win in the situation. And it comes back to our good old, you know, add value to others. And, you know, that the more we deal with our servant leadership behaviors, the more I see the impact of that particular behavior. It applies in so many ways. And, um, I'm going to miss all you millennials. (laughs) And then I'll leave you with five tips. Oh, cool. So one, 
Um, just acknowledge that your peers, that as coworkers, you've got to allow that there are age differences, but keep that on the back burner and just acknowledge that, you know, you're, you're all of equal value and that, that you are um, peers within your own workforce. Two, look for opportunities to share knowledge. And that can be, again, at, at any level, whatever your skill set is that you strive to succeed at, make sure you use the opportunity to, to share that information with other people that you work with. Three, you're never too old to learn. I went back after age 40 to get a second degree, decided that I got very frustrated with trying to learn Photoshop. So all of a sudden that turned into two and a half years of earning a certificate in graphic design. And I couldn't believe how much that stimulated my brain and helped me keep up with some of the newer technologies that have been coming out into the workforce. Mentor at any age. I think there's value for you to help transition and, and train people that are older you, than you as well as younger than you. So don't let that be a hindrance. Uh, and a younger coworkers can as easily mentor older coworkers based on their familiarity with, with technology. And then lastly, one of the things that we really try and ingrain with people we work with through the Servant Leadership Institute is just treating everyone with dignity and respect. Everyone has equal value, everyone has equal worth, and just tapping into what that is for each individual and helping them uh, be successful. Thank you for listening to the Servant Leadership Institute podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Our newest publication, Equipped to Serve, 100 Ways to Help the Ones You Lead by Art Barter and Carol Malinsky, is now available online through Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Visit ServantLeadershipInstitute.com for logs, webinars, and more, all dedicated to servant leadership. Have an amazing day, and we will see you on the next episode.